And then I got arrested. I got in trouble <laughs> because they all heard the cops, ran away, and I was wasted and started like swinging and, you know, like at whoever was near me. And so I got arrested. And then the, the, the thing, like the trauma from the story wasn't the like getting arrested or spending the night in the drunk tank. It was the fact that... What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Casey and Ty. I'm Casey. I'm Ty. Right over there, man. All right, dude. So I got this question for you. And if you need a minute to think about it, um, I'll tell you, you know, my answer and give you a second or whatever. But the question is this. All right. It's very broad, very simple. What's one thing you've done that you'll never do again? Oh, something comes to mind right away. Rocket. I'm gonna go with my gut skydiving. Yeah. Yeah. Never again. I mean, never say never, but I can. Uh, I'd be okay if that was taken away from me. If they were like, you can never do that again. How come, dude? I don't know, man. I did it when I was 18, and it was like, you know, it's that's like a classic thing that you feel like you got to do once in your lifetime, kind of thing. You build it up. And I don't know, for me, when I did it, it was definitely cool, but I think I built it up too much in my mind and it, it, like I had higher expectations than what it was. And then also when you're 18, you're definitely a lot dumber. (laughs) So you don't think about the fact that like, oh yeah, you could definitely die doing this. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Yo, that's incredibly true. Actually, I skydiving didn't even cross my mind when I got asked this question. So I got asked this question yesterday. And so I was like, I've been thinking about it all day. But but yeah, I might have another type of answer after I hear yours. So let me hear yours. All right. So I, I kind of did the same thing as you. I just went with my like gut answer. And I had two things that popped up. And the first one was like a bit of a story. And I have I ever told you the story about Halloween in my in my jail costume? I don't even know what you just said about what Halloween and my jail costume. No, no, no. I haven't. No. All right, cool. So we're in this. So this was the first thing that I said. And the first thing that I said I would never do that I've done before is wear a prisoner's costume for Halloween because I still get shit for this, like constantly (laughs) from my family. And basically what happened was, is went out for Halloween in college in Westchester and I was like blacked out, hammered, dude. Like one of the drunkest I've ever been in my life. Like, you know how you kind of remember those? You're like, all right, that's on the list. So me and my girlfriend, I'm kind of browned out at this point, half in, half out. And I'm wearing black and white prisoner costume, like head to toe, the hat, everything. Shawshank Redemption, bro. And so basically we're walking down the street and I started, you know, just like hauling off, talking smack or whatever, just being a drunk idiot. And this whole like these frat dudes were partying and we're walking by the frat house and I start going off at them, of course. And so basically what ends up happening is I pick a fight with like 10 frat guys, get the shit kicked out of me. And then I got arrested. I got in trouble. <laughs> Because they all heard the cops, ran away, and I was wasted and started, like, swinging and, you know, like, at whoever was near me. 
And so I got arrested. And then the, the, the thing, like the trauma from the story wasn't the like getting arrested or spending the night in the drunk tank. It was the fact that I was spending the night in the drunk tank in this costume mm-hmm. looking like I belonged there. You know what I mean? Like it was foreshadowing. It was foreshadowing, dude. So that's exactly what I said. I was like, I will never rock that self-fulfilling prophecy of a costume as a as a prisoner ever again. Because all I can remember is my dad, or what I constantly remember is my dad picking me up in the morning, just like dog. You fucking like you were prepared for this. Yeah, you dressed up ready to go to jail, basically. And all the cops were like, oh, you came prepared, didn't you? And blah, blah, blah. Like all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, this is the most embarrassing shit ever, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, I don't I don't believe in the law of attraction so much, but that was it, dude. That's pretty much <laughs> that the was definition it. of it. Right. <laughs> that was it. So, so what you know, the like, man, what if whatever your Halloween costume was, that was the like actual experience you were going to have that night. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's actually really hilarious. That's fucked up. I'm I'm, I'm like, I'm not glad that that happened to you, <laughs> but I'm glad that that happened to somebody. You. <laughs> it just sucks <laughs> that it was you. <laughs> Listen, Hey man, it was, it was fine, dude. Like, I, you know, the, the, it's a, you just, it's Westchester back in the day. Like you spend, yeah, yeah, you yeah. pay $200 and you're done. You know what Dude, I mean? Speaking of prisoners, um, new, I guess, I guess a new development ish in the Epstein trial. I haven't heard anything. Hit me. Not not exactly a development on his end per se, but you've have you heard Bill Gates <laughs> is getting still alive. Yeah, he's dead. Bill Bill Gates is getting divorced. You've heard this, right? Yes. Okay. Well, apparently came out the other day that part of the reason uh what's her name? Melinda wants to divorce him is because of the Epstein stuff. She's she tried to like Apparently, she tried to uh, tell him to stay away from that guy back in like 2013, but then they kept meeting up, I suppose. And so she she's claiming that that's part of the reason she wants out, which makes me wonder, does she know something else? You know what I mean? I mean, if somebody's going to know, it's going to be his wife who is around him the most and sees his habit patterns and stuff. Yeah, I know. Right. And then wait, so. Sorry, uh, quick question to like, was where did Bill Gates fall on this Epstein stuff as far as we know? Like, is it pretty much assumed that he was partaking in all of it? Um, no, I don't think so. Like, so apparently that they met him, both Bill and Melinda met him in like 2013. They met him somewhere, not on the island, but like somewhere else. And she got a bad vibe from it. So she told him, like, stay away from that guy, basically. And he just didn't listen. And they kept meeting. I don't think that there's any, I don't know, but I don't think there's any sort of evidence that has him on the island or even on the plane necessarily. But but they have met up multiple times. And so that's just, like, the sketchy part about it. And it's... Sorry. It's just like this whole Epstein thing, dude. I still can't even believe that like we just still don't really even know who was involved. And we're not even like trying to figure it out anymore. We're just like, ah, eh, that's old news. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's like pretty much gotten swept under the rug. Yeah. Right? It's like crazy. Epstein died and then that was the end of it. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me, to be honest with you. It's fucking insane because there was, I don't know, this is like totally off the top, at least a hundred girls there. Right? I I heard, yeah, I would say probably that's probably a safe bet. Because originally, I think the claim was like over the, I think he did it for like 20 years or more, God. maybe, maybe longer than that. And I think they said there was like hundreds of girls that had gone through this at some point, like at some level, you know? Now, it, it, this may, you may or may not know this, it, you know, you remember um, Bohemian Groove, right? Yes. Is that? on epstein island or is that its own <laughs> entity no that would be crazy if it was but no <laughs> no I, um my understanding of bohemian grove is that that's somewhere in california okay all right i could be wrong my, about that but i think it's in california yeah somewhere along the way those two islands were the same island for me <laughs> and i was like oh it makes all makes sense yeah, i get it's it. like we got to get rid of this island <laughs> fuck <laughs> blow up this fucking island they um Bro. dude and the bill gates thing gets even more interesting so this is pretty wild apparently before he was with melinda he dated some other girl and they were together for a few years and then him and melinda got married in like the mid 90s i think and apparently they're they're on record in the 90s there was like an interview or something where he had an arrangement with Melinda where he was allowed to go to spend one long weekend with his ex-girlfriend every year. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? I don't know. What? Yeah, dude. Like apparently him and his ex-girlfriend when they were together, they would always do like this annual, like, I guess, trip to this place i think epstein island yeah probably and then and then uh yeah he he like i guess negotiated to be able to keep that meeting with her and it was supposedly like to discuss business and philanthropy and stuff like that (laughs) he's banging her yeah i know pretty wild right so bill gates and melinda gates somewhat open marriage does that mean melinda well not anymore i guess but like, does that mean Melinda's up for grabs? Because she's about to come into a fat chick. Oh, yeah. She's definitely going to get a lot of money. Dude, how, how do you think that conversation went? How do you think Bill Gates presented that to Melinda to say, hey, uh, you know, I'm down to get married, but I'm, I'm going to hit that once a year? <laughs> um, that's a good question. And, you know, obviously... I don't know what Bill Gates was like in the nineties, but everything that I've, every video I've ever seen of him in the nineties, not like the smoothest guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't so. imagine. I don't imagine someone like Bill Gates has a problem getting laid though, either at the point that he's at, you know what I mean? Oh, of course not. But like, just like that conversation, I just can't imagine it was very like uh smooth or tactical. It was probably yeah. very like, <laughs> blunt you know what i mean right he probably backed it up with like a million dollars too oh yeah and here's a million you know what i mean like here's a million <laughs> enjoy your weekend 
Yeah, yeah. Every and every weekend you get a. Every time I go away, you get a million to do whatever. <laughs> Yo, his like mistress Bill is how, how like <laughs> every time he wants to go bang somebody else, he has to pay Melinda a million dollars. So he's got like thirty million dollars worth of bang bills. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <the> <laughs> But just like that combo, though, of having that arrangement with his wife and then the Epstein allegations definitely makes you like wonder, you know? Do you think he was actually seeing his ex or was he was that the veil and he was going to Epstein Island and or was him and his ex both going to Epstein Island? Both. It was both. Both. 100%. That's where their business meetings were held. He has a satellite office. Dude. Pretty wild, man. Man, what the fuck? You you know, yeah, that's so curious. Now my wheels are spinning just kind of in general on like what's happening with this whole Epstein thing because they just, the the Clintons offed him. Let's be real. The Clintons offed him. Yeah, or something. And it went away. So, where are the people that were held there or where you're like, where's the list? Where's these manifestos of shit? You know? And I think the fact that nothing is coming out of it is even more telling to say, Oh, something was going down. And there was a lot of people that are recognizable people that were involved. Yeah. Dude, you know what we were also talking about? That's like reminded me of this too, or that this reminds me of is that movie, the dissident which I just watched and I know you, you had told me about it like a few months ago, I think when it first came out, but I just watched it the other day. And that is a wild story about like the government or higher ups, let's say having someone murdered. And I mean, we figured that one out, right? Like blatantly. Like Dude, blatant. I am convinced 100% before I watched it. All I knew was that a journalist was killed and they suspected that it was MBS, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, but he was denying it. And like, that's all I knew was that yeah. the dude died. He's the suspect, but he denies it. And I'm like, eh, it could have been anybody, I suppose, whatever. <laughs> you watch this, this uh, documentary. Oh my God. It's, it's so crazy. Dog, it's fucking mind-blowing. What really killed me, dude, like, well, hold on. Let me ask you this question because you just recently watched it and I'm a little bit fuzzy. So MBS, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, there's his father is still alive and above him? Yes, there's still the king, which is King Salman. He's Uh still alive, but just King Salman. But just because he's like older, um, and MBS, I think, is around like 30-something years old. So he's like in his prime, you know, as far as like yeah. coming into his own and his father's like getting into that later stage of life. So he's just – it's like a transitionary period, I think, where he just starts to let the crown prince have more – you know, take more of an active role in leadership. Okay. All right. That was kind of my understanding was it is like the king is still there. So I, you, I would suppose that – the king isn't signing off on this stuff because he's kind of on his way out, but he could, had he wanted to like put the, put the Knicks on it too, if he wants, you know what I mean? Like he still reigns with power. 
um, yeah, I actually don't really know. Passes like, it along. I don't know. I actually don't know because, like, I think technically speaking, that yes, the king is still in charge, but I think it's pretty much all but like solidified that everybody. It's just, it's like all through MBS now. It's almost yeah. like the way, like the in um, what is it in uh, the UK and Great Britain where they have like the king and queen and like, but they don't really do anything. Right. I think that's the same situation with the king now in Saudi Arabia. It's like he's still the king, but like MBS is running the show. Gotcha. You know I mean? right, I'm with it. I'm with it. Yeah, because that was part of the story was how MBS was like, you know, one of however many brothers when they show like the family tree. Yeah. But somehow he just connived in his way to like the superiority point, you know, and is now in charge with like Vision 2030. Yeah. yeah. Shit like that, you know. Um, bro, so what did you think about, like, at what point, or was there any certain piece of information or whatever that you were like, oh, this fucking guy did it? I think, I mean, I had no idea, like, I didn't even know. They have video of him going into the console and then, like, or the consulate or whatever you call it, and then never coming back out. They have the video of the other dude dressed in his clothes afterwards as, like, a decoy. Like they Bro, have I forgot video. about that to try to act like he's leaving. Yeah, they have that on video. Um, <sighs> the I mean, it blew my mind was that they had audio recordings from inside the room, and they could hear like the struggle and and like them dismembering the body and everything, which is pretty fucking crazy. They brought in the surgeon, the yeah. fucking guy who, and they had the fire pit. Yeah, 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 they had the fire pit and they ordered 70 pounds of meat from the butcher that same day as yes. like uh, you know like uh some mob shit or whatever. It's like classic mafia right there. Classic. 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 And then the other crazy stuff that was in that movie when they were talking about I mean they talked about like how they have thousands of people hired by the government to go on Twitter and create fake profiles and all that. That's not surprising to me. I think every country does that. I think we probably do that and if we, we don't it. if yeah. we don't do that then we're dumb because we should do that. Um, <laughs> get your shit together. Yeah, get your shit together. <laughs> but that's not surprising to me. Um but what was kind of crazy was they were going into the the spyware that they have. Um, for like cell phone hacking so they could hack people's cell phones and it was called pegasus apparently it's like the apparently it's like the best of the best like there's no better way to hack someone's cell phone that we have um and it was just crazy to me that they were talking about how they got this well they talked about how they got it on the guy who's in the documentary not the guy who died but like the, um, the other guy's his name is omar yeah the young guy in canada Yes, his name was Omar. They got it on his phone, and that's how they were able to confirm that he was working with Jamal and that Jamal was, like, funding the dissidents yes. and whatnot. Yes. So, so yeah, that guy got, you know, indirectly or directly got him killed, more or less. But, but what was crazy was not just that, but that they were talking about how MBS himself, from his own phone, sent messages to Jeff Bezos's phone to hack Jeff Bezos's phone with Pegasus. And it worked. And it worked. And it was directly from MBS to Jeff Bezos' phone. And now Jeff Bezos is the owner of the Washington Post and Jamal Khashoggi worked for the Washington Post. Uh, it was just, 
so fucking that's a wild story dude bro could you i mean on one hand let's think about this like he just has jeff bezos's phone number <laughs> not that's not surprising to me that like these these are the most powerful people in the world yeah you know it's not surprising that they're connected but the other thing that gets me is like so bezos on some certain level right is either you know knowingly allowing mbs to do this stuff you know what i mean or or whatever and it's just like hiding his involvement to the american public you know as he kind of is if he's actually involved or like this you would think that i would think that jeff bezos would know better than to just click on a random link like that and to do that kind of stuff you know so it shows that he had some certain level of trust for mbs to just you know what i mean rock with it well they had they definitely had a relationship um again most powerful people in the world but i think I don't think Jeff Bezos knew that he was, I don't think he at all knew that he was going to have this guy killed by any means. I don't think he had any clue about any of this. I mean, the general corruption of MBS, Jeff Bezos is probably signing off of in some way or was at that point. Yeah. I think that's just like, I mean, it's totally conspiracy, but if you, but I mean, if you got a billion dollars, like I'm not the type of person that hates on rich people. I know that's like a thing now. I don't hate on rich people. But if you got a billion dollars, like, I'm not surprised if you did something fucked up. Like, right. maybe not even, like, to get there, but just as a result, the, the decisions that you make on a daily basis, if you have a billion dollars, the decisions you make on a daily basis absolutely affect tons of people. And you might not even mean to, but you're going to make a decision that fucks somebody over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because of the consequences of like the position that you're in so i think there's like just some and then you take that to the level of politician which is mbs Mm -hmm. and not even just politician but like uh, a king more or less i think if you're involved with any of these people you just you you kind of just don't want to ask you don't want to ask about that type of shit you're just like oh this is the president oh this is the king this is the queen this is the prime minister they're my friends. I'm not going to ask any more questions. Right. I'm good with them. Let's just keep it moving. Yeah. So I don't think he had anything to do with it in that regard. I think they had a connection because they were trying to hold like these really big conferences in Saudi Arabia and Jeff Bezos was supposed to go and like be mm-hmm. a guest of like honor, I suppose. Um, so they were like, had a relationship on that end. And then Jeff like stopped once he found out about this whole thing, but it's just, it is just crazy that this dude was just like, Oh, I'm going to hack the richest man in the world. And they did. And they did. <laughs> dude, I think Gio. So one of the messages that came off of this was like to MBS, nobody is untouchable. Nobody. And like that in and of itself too, that he was able to get to Bezos is pr- further proof of that. Yeah, it's kind of like um, the way I kind of think of it is it's a little bit like China and Russia and these places where you have these really powerful leaders that have a lot of control over the country. But 
it's on another level because they have so much money too. Like the Saudi family has so much money and it's not, they're not um, elected. They're not even like fake elected. You know what I mean? They're just, this is just, we keep it in the family. You know, the family runs the country. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like another level. It's like, imagine Putin, but it's not just Putin. It's his whole family and they're billionaires. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody's untouchable at that point. Dude, you know what? I, I, I hear you on that one, bro. And you know what I think is like a byproduct of that, which again, like makes it more unsettling, like coming from MBS and Saudi Arabia is um, like, at least with China and Russia, like we know it and they're not even really trying to hide it at this point. You know what I mean? Like they're, we all know that they do this shit and then they're pretty in as far as like, you know, political secrecy goes pretty upfront about their action, right? Like we know what Russia's doing. We know that they're all involved in this like cyber warfare and whatnot, but MBS like continually, it seems continuously seems to like deny it and hide it and have the ability to hide it actually, because his country is smaller. Right. And they have so much more money that like, it's the secrecy that comes along with it when he's doing it and doing this kind of stuff that you don't have that kind of secrecy. I don't think with Russia and China. And that I think is a little bit unsettling too. Cause it's like, wow, what really is happening behind those closed doors? Yeah. And again, I think part of it being like the fact that it's just run by the family also just right. lends itself to that secrecy too. Right. But, um, yeah, Yo, what did you, Oh, I'm sorry, bro. Yeah. I, I was just saying like, it's just wild to think, that these they're the most powerful people in the world. Like, I mean, at least they're amongst the most powerful people in the world. And the whole MBS thing is like, I I know I wanted to like him. And I think, I actually think a lot of politicians wanted to like him too, because he's like supposedly more progressive and he's trying to bring the Middle East into like, I guess the modern era, as far as like civil liberties and stuff like that. But then he does some shit like this and you're like, oh, okay. Well, to, to his, in his defense, in MBS's defense, and like we just said, if you're going to make a billion dollars, you're going to have to sacrifice some shit. And the way that this story lined up was like, you see MBS has this track of vision 2030, what he wants the country to do. And, uh, Jamali uh, Khashoggi, is that how you say his last name? Yeah, Jamal Khashoggi. Jamal Khashoggi was like going against that. So if we fast forwarded in 20 years and all we saw was, or even, you know, uh, I guess nine years at this point and Vision 2030 is in full swing, but we never heard about this story. All we would be saying is, oh shit, MBS, look, he really turned it yeah, around. Exactly. We wouldn't be saying, how did he do it? Or we would be saying, how did he do it? But we wouldn't have light on this story. Right, no, I, I'm with like, you. This is the dirty work in a way, not saying it's correct. No, I, I'm actually with you. Like, I, you know, it'd be naive to think that like our own government doesn't do shit like this or whatever. I think- I mean, look at Snowden. He's still not allowed back in the country. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's maybe, I mean, he might've just went a little too far like this. I feel like this wasn't a political move. It was a personal move. 
You know what I mean? And I think that yeah. might be like politically, if it was a political move, they wouldn't have killed them. They would have like done something else. You know what I mean? They would have found a way. Yeah. They would have found some other way because you can, I don't know. I feel like you can deal with some guys saying shit, even if it is true. And it, even if it is galvanizing the troops and all that, like you can find other ways to deal with it. That doesn't involve you having to kill, you know, a journalist. Yeah, I, I think this was more personal. It was like you're not only are you causing a problem, but you're saying bad shit about me too. You know, it's you're true. making me look bad, and, right? Which is not good. So I think it maybe that's where he messed up. Was he let it get a little too personal? Maybe, dude. But I, I think know, man. I think that, and I think these people just play with different cards, man. Yeah, they have different chess pieces. You know, like for us, it's not feasible you know, like in my mindset and with my economic abilities to try to kill somebody and cover it up. I just can't, I can't afford that shit, bro. <laughs> you know, I mean? Like I don't have that ability unless I live in the middle of Texas or something, you know, and, and it's whatever. But point is, is like these guys live in a different reality, man. Like, and I got to believe, and this is just me kind of inferencing um, from like what I know about, you know, hierarchical structures or whatever, like somebody who's the crown prince of like one of the richest countries in the world, right? You think they're going to have any issue with discarding some little journalist who's getting in their way? I don't think so. Like if you're in that position, right? Like, you know, Alexander the Great or Genghis Khan wouldn't hesitate to cut somebody's head off, you know? And that's the type of position these huge leaders are in, right? Fast forward to where we are now, it's still pretty similar, right? Like they're leading countries, they're leading, you know, they're, they're kings and queens leading pawns yeah. and like picking a pawn off the board is nothing for them. Yeah, they might yeah. even be like, Saudi Arabia might be the last, like the closest thing that, that we actually still have today of like a kingdom you know what i mean like it's the family runs the show and they actually do not like in england where it's like you know kind of like a show kind of a thing right they're kind of waiting for them to like once the queen passes away now that her husband has passed away like is there going to be a new queen or are they going to kind of who knows i mean there's princes that are still there like so they may take over i don't know but yeah. like, it's kind of just like a, uh, you know, it's not real there. Right. They have an actual government that does most of the shit. Yeah. yeah. But in Saudi Arabia, I think it's like, it's more the, the government. I'm sure they have like some sort of government system, but it's led by the family. It's yeah. like they're in all the leadership positions, which yeah. is crazy. So, <laughs> so gnarly because you no. know, like every family has that one shithead cousin, and it's like, well, oh, let's just make him like in charge of our environment, <laughs> you know, or give him like yeah. some shit job, and it's like, oh, okay, like this fucking guy. <laughs> Dude, well, let me ask you this: this was like an interesting part too. Um, the guy, the, the guy, the young guy, Omar, um, Omar Abdul Aziz, I believe his name is. He's like the the dissident in Canada, who's like leading, basically lead, like one of the main figures of that movement against the Saudi family. Right. They, they said in the, by the, at the end, like 
they have two his two brothers and like 20 of his friends are all in jail in Saudi Arabia and they, yes. and they've been in jail for a while now because of the shit that he's doing and like dude like could you do that could you do that fuck man think that you're leading you're leading a revolution for an entire country against sacrifice of yeah, and you and the part of that is like sacrificing your family and your friends, dude. I don't think I could do that. No, I, no, I think I would give it up. I'd just be like, "All right, you got me, dude." All right, so as I'm thinking about this, the two like the two things that come to my mind are one, I'd like, I'd want to like talk to my brothers and be like, "Hey, guys, <laughs> let's collaborate here a little bit," you know. But from my understanding is Omar, like he has no ability to be in contact with any of them. And so that, yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. I do think that they, somehow he learned something about them though, because he mentioned that their one brother got tortured pretty bad. Um, Right. So, I I mean, he found out that somehow. Well, I think, I would assume that if that was the case, then MBS would want him to know like, hey, your brother's being tortured as long as you do. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So I think that, but then I also got to think of it, like my mind goes right to kind of like a utilitarian perspective, you know, is the lives or are the lives of 22, two brothers and 20 friends, we'll say, right? Or however many, uh, does that outweigh the potential like goodness for an entire country? And like from the numbers standpoint and a utilitarian mindset doing the most good for the most amount of people, Absolutely not. Like you're going to continue on and you're going to lead this revolution, you know, but on the other side of it, you have this moral dilemma in which like your actions are causing harm. So how do you deal with that? You know, is it convincing enough to say I'm doing the most good for the most amount of people? It's just the people that aren't getting that good are my blood relatives. Yeah. Is that convincing enough? I, I don't know. I'd have to be in that position, bro, honestly. But I think, I think if that were the case, I would probably continue on because at that point, they're already in jail. They're already being tortured. You can't let that be for nothing. Yeah, no, I don't know, man. I think for me, if it were like, if it were, if I was leading the revolution and just like 20 random people who were a part of the revolution got caught, then I'm going, I'm still going for it. But once your family comes yeah, in, once it's family and friends, I just, I, don't, I can't do that. You almost wish like thinking about it now, if this were to happen in the future, you'd almost say, Hey, look, uh, family, get out of this country because I'm doing this, you know, like I'm dissident. You guys need to leave right now. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, that would definitely have been a great call. I don't even know if he could have done that, honestly. Yeah, well, I think he, I think his story was like he was about to be arrested before he got out of the country, like initially. Yeah. So, Dude, yeah. He still has like fucking hits on him and stuff like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Which is insane. For sure. Dude, I don't know. It's crazy. Um, no, my question for you, bro, is what did you, um, what did you think about the Trump involvement piece of it? Did you catch on any of that? Yeah, I mean, I, Dude, I think Trump probably was like, you ever have a job where like, 
you don't really do your job at all, but you know how to like say the things and and just skate by. Or like or like in school when you get um when you have to like write a paper about something and you just like ramble, but you don't <laughs> actually say anything meaningful or yes. you don't actually do yeah. the real work. Dude, I feel like that was Trump's whole presidency, bro. That was his presidency. <laughs> Just listen to every interview anytime he's ever asked a question. It was just like, you know what? You know, some people, they do some things and it's very bad. I don't (laughs) like it. But he said it was fine. So, you know, that's all I know. (laughs) Well, listen, some people, they do things. And then, you know what I mean? And America's and we're going to be great. All right. But here's the thing. We're going to come out of this better than ever. It's huge. Huge. And then you're just like, oh, okay. So you have no idea. You don't know the answer. That's what you're saying. Gotcha. Okay. So basically, you don't know. (laughs) No, I think very much to me. A spot on assessment, dog. So I think to me, like, I think I feel like that was his whole presidency. But with this in particular, I feel like it was just, uh, it was like, look, these guys give us a lot of money. They buy a lot of shit from us. I'm just going to stay out of it. Keep giving me your money. Like that was right. his whole thing, you know? Right. Right. And that's, yeah, that's, that's what it looked like. I don't think he was like involved in any way. He was just like, uh, they still going to write his checks. Cool. Cool. Yeah. 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 One less journalist to write shit about me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fuck. That's so gnarly, bro. Yo, what a great, great documentary. And Brian Fogle, the dude who did it, man, he has the dissident, and he has Icarus. That's a heavy hitting list right there. So that far. is a heavy hitting list. Taking That's down heavy hitting list. Dude, he's gonna die. You think he's got a target on his back? Dude, he came after the Russian government first, and his next move is to go after the Saudi Arabian government next. <sighs> Watch out, China. Dude. I mean, just he I don't think he can travel to that half of the world anymore. Like he needs he's- to like <laughs> <laughs> he's he's stuck. like you can't go to europe anymore <laughs> oh dude Man. and he was on joe rogan just talking about it dude he's gonna, he's gotta fucking be careful bro do you think though like for whatever reason bro uh, and, I, and i'm gonna throw this out to you too because i was just watching this other documentary that i wanted to throw you away and, and but going alongside all of this right the the three main documentary people that i like to watch uh, Brian Fogel, this new one that I watched, and I don't remember his name. And then the third guy, Tiller Russell, is really good at documentaries. He made the one where um, those those mobsters, or I think it was the cartel, the 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 Medellin cartel was going to buy a Russian submarine. I think I told oh, you. Oh yeah, you told me I, about this. I forget what that one was called, but watch that shit. Odyssey, I think. Um, all three of those dudes are playing with some gnarly motherfuckers, man. Yeah, dude. But for whatever reason, I feel like since they are documentary makers, they're kind of on this like, we're not going to touch them kind of thing. Jamal Khashoggi was a journalist for the Washington Post. You would but think. He wasn't, well, but I feel like he had, he was different like he was directly involved with the dissidents he was like a known saudi writer in saudi arabia brian fogel was directly involved with the dissidents he's over here videoing them spreading their message you know what i mean like i just want these guys to be protected man because i love watching these documentaries 
Nah, they're that's a risky job. You got to be like, you got to know that that is part of the risk when you get involved. And I'm sure they do. Like, I'm sure they're aware of that for sure. Yeah. All right, bro. Let me lay this, let me lay this next documentary on you. Um, and as I'm thinking, I think the guy's name is David Holdsworth, something like that. He was on Rogan. He was on Rogan. So it's a recent Rogan one. Um, he's got like long hair and shit. All right. Documentary is called Sasquatch. It's on Hulu. Three parts. Oh series. yeah, you mentioned this. Okay. All right. Initially, you're gonna think it's about Sasquatch. It's not about Sasquatch, bro. But let me let me hit you with this. And I'm this is like a newer documentary, so spoiler alert, right? But I'm gonna tell the whole thing because it's so fucking. <laughs> yes, let's go. <laughs> right. Um, so in Mendocino County, California back in like the sixties, right. Was when all the hippies were kind of moving to the woods. They call them back to the landers, if you will. And they moved up to Northern California and Mendocino County is where the best weed outdoor weed is grown flat out. It's the best climate for it, the mountain, the sun, everything. And they chose this area because it's fully mountainous. Like it's completely remote. It's really rough terrain. It's hidden by the redwood tree canopies. So they can't like, you know, see your weed farms and shit like that. So these growers all flock to Mendocino County. Now, simultaneous to this, right? Mendocino County is known for weed growing and it's known for Bigfoot, right? Like Bigfoot hunters, Sasquatch hunters, like squatchy people and shit like that. And so it starts out like, you know, just kind of getting the lay of the land. Like, why do people think Bigfoot exists? And this guy, Dave Holdsworth, he starts it out with this story, right? And I won't throw too many details, but this will wrap up in a sec. So this story is back in the 90s. He's working on one of the weed farms in Mendocino County, right? By this really dangerous part of, of the grow areas. And they're just like kicking it in this cabin, him and his buddy and this one other dude who like owns the farm. These two tweakers come running into the cabin and they're like freaking out. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's three people fucking mangled dead in our farm, like disemboweled, arms chopped off, bodies ripped apart, all this kind of stuff. Okay. And this is in the nineties. So at this point, this guy's like, what the fuck, blah, 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 blah. And so he's just like, all right, quiets these guys down, sends them out. And then this is the owner of the farm, quiets these two guys down, sends them out. And then, you know, is hanging out with this documentary maker. I think his name's David again, and his friend. And he's like, that was insane. And then that was it. Like, that was the story. And so he, the documentary maker is remembering the story and decides this is going to be where he uncovers, you know, he, he starts the documentary. So basically those two tweakers, they came running in and they're like fucking Bigfoot killed these guys. Like this was a Bigfoot murder because there had been a bunch of murders in this area that had never been solved, but were Bigfoot killings. And so people really started to believe in Bigfoot. Like there's a real actual like understanding that this fucking thing is real. You know what I mean? And so in the end, what we find out, dog, is that <clears throat> the there's like a huge Hell's Angels presence in this area, all right? 
And the growers in this area are super territorial, like they're don't fuck with us kind of people. And there's like the original growers that are kind of this little like huddled group that like, you know, police the area, if you will. And so what it ends up finding, what he ends up finding out is the murders that were committed, right? People already believed in Bigfoot. So these people, the like OG growers, most likely they don't say yes or no, but pretty much did killed these people and blamed it on Bigfoot. And so people think Bigfoot is causing all these murders and it's these guys just running with the lie. You know what I mean? And they started it out like they now have this whole perception or whatever of like, oh, Bigfoot's here. Bigfoot's going to get you. Bigfoot's coming for you, blah, 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 blah. But it's actually these growers and these people who are trying to like not let people overtake their fucking grow operations, steal their money, that kind of shit. Yeah. So in Mendocino County, Bigfoot, it's not Bigfoot, bro. That's that's the first place my mind went when you said that there's been a bunch of murder or there've been a bunch of bodies found in this area and they're unsolved kind of thing. I was like, somebody's just, this is somebody's MO. You know what I mean? That's what I, that's what I, that's the first place I thought I was like, okay. And that totally makes sense when you, especially, you know, back in the nineties when it wasn't as like legal as it is now. So you really got a, it's high stakes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that totally makes sense. So what ended up happening was, is like in the sixties and stuff, it was like super peaceful. Like they were all, like I said, like back to the landers, hippies, like raising their kids, just people wanting to be in the woods and they just, you know, grew crop and, and that was how they made money. And there really wasn't a lot of violence. There wasn't any problems. But then what happened was, is the war on drugs came about, right? You remember the war on drugs and shit? And so then they started having to be more, you know, like protective of their shit. Like the government started coming in. There was this, uh, the crew was called camp. Uh, I don't remember what it, the acronym stood for, but they started like having to fight back, you know what I mean? And fight back against the government, protect their shit and all this kind of stuff. And so that's when the violence really kicked into play. It's because they're like, we're not fucking around anymore, you know, yeah. which is fucking insane. So really like the war on drugs kind of sparked this. Yeah. And then these guys were like, yeah, no, Bigfoot did it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, they're just killing all these people that are fucking with them. Dude, I watched this show on Netflix think it was called monsters and myths or myths and monsters something like that and a couple of the episodes it's like it's kind of about like stories you know like classic stories that are told over time and the themes of them mm-hmm. and like just what are common themes amongst stories that humanity tells itself and like a couple of the episodes i think one was about the kraken you know like the sea you know like the sea monster kraken and they also mentioned like Nessie, the Loch Ness monster, you know? Yeah. I just, I wonder, like, and then with Bigfoot here, it's just, do you think it's possible that these things were real at some level? You know what I mean? Like, and maybe disappeared over time? So I think it's absolutely possible that Bigfoot existed. I don't think it's possible that what we are seeing as Bigfoot now, like, I don't think there's actual Bigfoot sightings right now. I think these people are full of shit. Yeah. 
because, dude, like, let's be honest. They're yeah. not that evasive. They're fucking huge. Yeah. They're in the woods. We have GPS, satellite, heat-seeking trackers. Exactly. And all this we kind have of so thing. much stuff. Exactly. We'd have found them. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've, we've found dinosaur remains from millions of years ago. Mm-hmm. We're not, we can't find a fucking Bigfoot. You know what I mean? That's how I feel, too. I think... So, yeah, I don't think it's real now, but I do think they were in existence, yes. Because you have like Osteopithecus, there's other forms of human beings that are accounted for in our evolutionary tale. Yeah, for sure. There's, I mean, we lived alongside several types of humans. Right. And I mean, if, if you believe in evolution from, you know, a monkey to us, I mean, at some point in between, you probably look like a Bigfoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah. makes sense. Well, I would say, yeah, I would say the Loch Ness monster one is probably not. I mean, like it's in a it's a fucking lake, right? Like you could, how big is the lake? Yeah, (laughs) you could get in there and find it. (laughs) How big is the just fucking look? (laughs) uh, Right. But but the one that I do wonder about is the Kraken, dude. I feel like that. I feel like that the oceans are so big, man, and we don't know like what's down there. Man, I feel like that one is the one that has maybe the most, it's the most believable to me. My understanding is the Kraken is like a giant octopus looking thing, like Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Yes. Right. 100%. I agree with you that that is probably the most probable in our modern era. Yeah. And like, it, it wouldn't be, you know, I don't know, like ridiculously big, but, you know, this, imagine a squid the size of a blue whale. That'd be a giant fucking squid. How big are giant squids? Because that is, there is a giant squid. Yeah, giant squids are actually really big in and of themselves. Right. But um, I, I think maybe part of the size just comes from like the the tentacles you know what i mean like they have long tentacles and shit but imagine if just like the whole body itself was the size of a giant whatever whale right. and then it had tentacles on it like that would be a fucking kraken as far as Dude, i'm concerned 100 percent, bro a fucking because the way i think about that like if i'm thinking about what's possible dude we had fucking t-rexes we had long necks yeah. We had fucking triceratopses, like all that shit was real, bro. Like actually, and you see how big a long neck dinosaur is, dude. You know what I mean? And that thing lived on land. In water, things get bigger. There's less gravitation. Yeah. There's pressure on yeah. them. They expand. That's why like blue whales are so fucking monstrous. You know what I mean? And so, bro, I don't have any doubt in my head that that existed. You know? Yeah. It'd be crazy to find something like that. That would be fucking insane. I would, man, you know, I, I think about that. And what, what hits me too is like the most intriguing one of that would be that Kraken, because if it was octopus, like in any sort of way, that is like alien apocalypse immediately <laughs> because octopuses are fucking like they're insane dude like they're super intense i watched a video actually the other day of this octopus it had to be like a six footer in diameter and it went through this little like pvc pipe yeah like i was like what the hell how do you do that yeah those are amazing bro they are actually amazing they're super intelligent too which is crazy which is crazy they one of the things that they think right is that they came here 
on asteroids, right? And mm. octopus are actually aliens. I did read that once. I, I would believe it. I believe yeah. it 100%, dude. Right? Pretty um, did you see changing subjects here? Yeah. I think last week we maybe even talked about this on the show. I don't know if we did or not, but we were talking about how Chappelle was on Rogan. Yeah. And they felt yeah. you, you, we brought up about how um, Rogan brought up Andrew oh, Schultz. Schultz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Chappelle was kind of like uh, brushing him off, whatever, not really giving him like the, he wasn't really like uh, praising him. You know, he was kind of like playing it down or whatever. I don't know if you saw, but Schultz actually responded to that on his podcast on Flagrant Two. Yeah, what he said. They kind of they talked about it. It was it was interesting because like I feel like Schultz's response was the same level of like how Chappelle. Like he didn't like come down hard on Schultz when he was on Rogan, but he just wasn't like you know, indulging. He wasn't saying, oh yeah, Schultz is the greatest. He's, he's the next great thing or anything like that. He was just like, eh, you know, it's just a different thing. It's not for me, whatever. He's good. Good for him, but you know, not me. And that's like, that's what Schultz or that's what Chappelle said on Rogan. Schultz's response was kind of like, you know, he, he didn't, he seemed like he didn't want to give me, uh, a ton of credit and that's okay. That's fine. He's like, he's right. He is older. I get it. But also at the same time, like you didn't come up on comedy on stand up comedy per se. That's not what got you known. What got you known was the Chappelle show. So you would think that somebody who was in your situation would have a little bit more like empathy, I guess, for somebody like me who came up doing you know, the Netflix special and the whatnot, you know? Oh, that's interesting. That's it was inter- a good point. I will give him that. It was actually great a good point. point. It's a great point. Because Chappelle just got paid out for all the Chappelle show stuff too, which yeah. was a good thing. But yeah, you know, I I don't know. I don't think either of them are wrong. I, I, I don't think Chappelle is wrong because like he tried his best not to shit on him while also giving an honest opinion. And I think that's pretty fair. I think that's fair too. I think that's cool. But what I do think too is like, what I appreciate about Rogan, as opposed to like what we might've saw with Chappelle there is like, Rogan is always down with innovation. If it works, if it's funny in some way, you know what I mean? And so like, I appreciate that mindset as opposed to the, you know, whatever what did Chappelle say like I'm this is this is my style yeah 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 no I I agree actually I would say Rogan like he never actually says anything bad about really any anybody or anything that that you're doing successful unless he like fundamentally doesn't agree with it you know what I mean right right like but he won't just take away he won't take away from something for no reason you know like yeah if some if if Schultz was making these videos and they just straight up were not funny and he like then Rogan would be like what the fuck is going on these aren't funny that's absolutely not funny like what's why is everybody loving this yep if that that would be the only situation I could see Rogan shitting on something yeah but he's like no these are actually funny it's a new way of doing things props you know like right 
Yo, because what I think it is, man, and like Rogan talks about it too, is like it's that mindset of, you know, abundance, abundance versus attrition, right? Um, uh, Scarcity versus abundance. Scarcity, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Rogan, I think he's in a position, bro, where if he signs off on something, like you're going to get a million views. You know what I mean? Like if he signs off on Schultz's videos, which he did in his like opinion, like, that's going to blow Schultz up, which it did. It did. You know what I mean? And someone like Dave Chappelle, I think like, since he's not necessarily as active as Rogan on like a podcast and that kind of thing. Yeah. um, Which I think Chappelle is doing a show now, but he did start one. Yeah. um, Like you have to be aware of your influence. Yeah. You know, like someone like Chappelle or someone like Rogan can make or break somebody's career. Really? If they're like, yo, fuck that guy. He's a fucking idiot. Don't work with him. That's not, it's just not funny. You know, like, dude, you just lost your comedy career. (laughs) You know what I mean? And a lot, or it just got a lot harder for you. Yeah. Dude, it's kind of funny because, like, I think Chappelle is potentially the greatest comic, like, stand up comic. Yeah. Um, He, he, I've always kind of seen him that way. And I, you know, I, I still do. But there is a funny thing. Like, he is, he in the stand-up world, I think you would say he's the most famous person in that world. In that world, like two stand-ups, yeah, two stand-ups and stuff like that. And like I'm sure, like any circle that he goes into of stand-ups, he's like probably going to be regarded as being one of the greatest or the best or whatever. But you can kind of tell, like Rogan might be one of the most famous people on the planet at this point, like. Like, yeah. honestly, you know, he might be one of the biggest celebrities on the planet. And Dude, look at his platforms. It's insane. And yeah. I think that even someone like Chappelle, as much as he can't help, as much as he knows how good he is at what he does and as much money as he has and as much, like, confidence I'm sure that he has in himself, I feel like there's just, like, something that you can't help about being a little bit like envious, you know, like wanting that same sort of platform. You know what I mean? Not, not trying to say that in a negative way. It's just like, he's your peer and he is the most famous person in the world. Yeah. And you're like, wait, I can, I feel like I can do that too because I have all the same skills. Well, like a lot of the same skills. Mm -hmm. So how do, but my platform isn't as big kind of a thing, you know, it's, I don't know. Just yeah. speculating. No, I totally hear you on that, dude. Because I mean, think about it like if with anything. Like if I see, you know, like if we're, you know, competing in CrossFit and I see you kicking my ass, I'm going to want to kick your ass. Yeah, in a, in a healthy way, way, in a good way. In a healthy way. Yeah, yeah exactly. not in like a, you know, we're still buddies and we're still friends and all that, but right. it's not like, but it's like, fuck, I got to like step my you game up. Yes, exactly. And I think you're totally right in thinking that perhaps Chappelle is feeling that in a little bit of a ways. And also, I think one of the things, um, you know, that could be affecting that is like Rogan, his like fame was like continuous. Right? It was a slow build, though. Like it was a slow build. But like Chappelle was ultra famous with Chappelle show. Right. And then left. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in his head, he's like, fuck, bro, I left like 15 years on the table that I could have been elevating with that I, 
that I didn't. And yeah, like, but I don't oh, think he dude, regrets that. Your guns. No, I agree. I don't think he did. But I think looking back, if you're just playing it out, like what could have been. Right, right. You know, had I never had to do that, even though I'm proud of what I did, what would be different now? I think what it does, though, because Chappelle did start a podcast. And I think... You know, there's. I think there's been a handful of like really famous celebrities who've started podcasts. There's probably more than a handful. There's probably a lot, but it just speaks mm-hmm. to like, you know, the celebrity definitely helps you, right? If if Will Smith starts a podcast, he's gonna be making money from the jump. But it speaks to like the net, the necess, the need for just the consistency over time. Because Joe Rogan, for sure when he started was not as famous as Chappelle is now, or as, you know, a Will Smith or the rock or somebody like this. Right. But those guys are never going to touch his podcast, not in any time soon, you know? Right. They would need to put in years of building it up regardless of how famous they are. And Rogan would have to start to fall off. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like someone like Will Smith is a great example. Ultra fucking famous. Yeah, you know what I mean, known by everybody, and his first episode will probably have more views than his third, fourth, fifth, and sixth episode For if sure. it's good or not good. You know what I mean? Like the first episode is hype, like oh shit, Will Smith has a podcast. We've never heard him talk like this before. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then it's like oh shit, Will Smith's not that good on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll listen to Rogan because he's yeah. good podcasting. The skill of podcasting. It just speaks to like again, just the the consistency that's necessary to build that over time. You know, Dude, I mean that's with everything, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I appreciate Rogan a lot from the sense of that abundance mindset. Like, I think that's incredibly motivating and an incredibly motivating way to use your podcast platform. You know what I mean? And like, I think if somebody else were the leading podcast that you know like how rogan is right now if they didn't carry that message i don't think podcasting would be as big i don't think it would be i don't think we'd be where we are because he's encouraging it you know what i mean but if you have somebody at the top who's like you know not mentioning it or is kind of right trying to hold their position at the top for whatever reason um you won't have as many podcasts you won't have as many people trying to chase the same dream yeah, not only that, but I don't even think anybody would have made it to his level without it, to be honest with you. Like a different person, a different mindset can't get you there. Because, I mean, think about it. He, he got so big, right? And even just like literally three years ago or four years ago, he was massive, but not as big as he is today. Like it's still even bigger. It's, a cra- it's more mainstream now, which is crazy. But, um, but think about it. He's so big. He brings you on the show and he pumps you up and then you go off and you get a million followers just from that. You get a big following, you get a big podcast just from that. And you're forever grateful. So like, you're not going to start to say bad shit about him. Anytime he comes up, you're just going to say good shit about him. Right. And then anybody who by the off chance is listening to you, but didn't listen to him, they're like, well, the guy I like says Joe Rogan's cool, so maybe I'll give him a chance. You know what I mean? Yes. So it just keeps building. Dude, spot on. That's like beautifully said, man. It's that network, but it's not even like a network of people you can call. It's the network of like mindfulness. 
You yeah. know what I mean? It's like the network of like just making sure that, you know, everybody has the opportunity that they deserve. Right. Yeah. And it's like encouraging that, bro. And um, shit, man, that's awesome, dude. I, I, I think that is, correct me if I'm wrong, man, but, and obviously we've never, I'm not like, never lived famously in Hollywood, but it seems that that is a real flip of the script from how things used to be. Like Rogan is trailblazing this abundance mindset, which is pretty, it's awesome, but it's weird that this is, it's take, it's taken this long for that to be available. And I think a large reason that it is available is because anybody can start a podcast. All you need is a computer. All you need is a phone. So it's like, we have abundance and ability of abundance. Yeah. Dude, I think that I think that we are aware and I think that people, you know, like in the industry, I'll say, are aware of the effect that he's having. Yeah. But I actually don't think we are fully aware of the impact that he himself, this is one person, has had on, I mean, like all of the entertainment industry it's it's pretty crazy and i don't think we're necessarily going to know exactly the extent of that effect Mm -hmm. until maybe it's starting until it's like it's over you know what i mean but like he more or less single-handedly is responsible for everybody moving to texas right now like single-handedly which is crazy right um and leaving new york and la yes and then I, I think you are spot on with the abundance thing. I think that's probably something that's becoming more popular in all aspects of entertainment. Because even if you're just an actor or something, like, you know about Joe Rogan. You're friends with people who are friends with him. Like, you're aware and you see his success and you, you're starting to realize how he got there. And so now maybe in your industry, you're going to start to be like a little more like that, you know? Bro, I think I think it's a huge impact that we don't we might not ever be able to quantify fully. Yeah. I just think it's bigger than we even realize. Dude, I'm with you up until saying like acting is getting on board with this. Because I think comedians, actors, singers, actors and singers live in more closely related worlds than comedians. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Have their own island, and the reason I say this is because look at what happened to Elon Musk trying to be on SNL. Dude, how much shit he got. That was funny. Did you see that? I didn't watch it, but I, I just, I knew like the drama leading up to it, and that's why I say no, dude. I don't think actors in that way are are on board with this abundance sort of mindset. Well, those are comedians though. That's the thing. SNL, those are comedians. It's comedians though, like it's a little different. Yeah. No, they like, they're more comedians than they are actors, for sure. Yeah. But Yeah. But I think it was only like one or two of them cuz I've watched a couple interviews about that. It was really weird. Like I don't know why they were hating on Elon to be honest with you, but But that's not an abundance mindset, right? No, like I don't you know. have fucking Elon Musk who might be more famous than Joe Rogan, honestly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you have the opportunity to have him on SNL. You know how many views you're going to get and you're going to shit on him. Dude. I just don't, I don't understand it. I did watch um, some of the skits on, on YouTube. Dave, some of them were pretty funny, actually. Like I, I used to watch SNL like up until I probably haven't watched it in about a year or so. 
but I used to watch it on YouTube. I would watch the skits like the next day. Uh-huh. And uh, I did watch these ones because I was so interested to see Elon Musk on there. And some of them were cracking me up. They had this one skit where he was trying to explain what Dogecoin is. <laughs> and it was pretty funny because it was just like the, the guy was like, so what's Dogecoin? And he would say, well, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, it's on the blockchain, you know, it's a cryptocurrency on the blockchain. It's decentralized. So it gives the power back to the people and all that. And the guy was like, cool. Okay. So what's Dogecoin? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, it was a cryptocurrency similar to Bitcoin, but it runs on a different network and it doesn't have a finite supply like Bitcoin does. And he's like, okay, cool. So what's Dogecoin? <laughs> I still don't understand. Still don't get it. <laughs> he takes out a dollar and he's like, okay, so this is a dollar, right? Puts it on the table. So what's Dogecoin? <laughs> he's like, I don't get it. So what's a Dogecoin? <laughs> I was like, I was like, that is probably the most spot on, like, yeah, understanding that everybody has about cryptocurrency like we can all say the things and we're like oh you put your money in it and it goes up and down and whatever and you get your money out and cool you made money get password yeah but i have no idea what just happened <laughs> no fucking clue dude oh shit all right i'm gonna watch some of those because i've been wanting i wanted to watch them like i haven't watched snl in like you said bro a long ass fucking yeah time. i saw yeah. elon and all this stuff going on there and i'm like all right i want to check this out because i like this cat dude he um so this was kind of funny uh, he, in the, what do they call it? The monologue. He says that he has Asperger's and it's like, whatever. Okay, cool. He has Asperger's and it's just like part of the monologue and you move on. But then, so remember they were hating on him leading up to the show. And then after the show, somebody came out like hating on him for saying that he has Asperger's because that was a Nazi term and the appropriate term to use is just autism. So if you think about it, they are hating on an autistic person (laughs) for using the wrong word to describe his own, whatever you want to call it, um, his own, uh, his own illness or yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mental illness or whatever. They're hating on an autistic. They're they're what? from their own view. They're hating on an autistic person for using because the wrong word. he said he's has Asperger's, not autism. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, exactly, bro? bro? Fuck you. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. I didn't even know Asperger's was uh, not allowed to be said anymore. N- neither did I. I think they made it up, dude. I don't know. They're we can look different. it up. Is, but like, dude, this is my ignorance, bro. Asperger's and autism were two different things in my head. They're two different things because autism is a huge spectrum of challenges. Yeah, I mean, I never. I got to be honest with you. I never understood what the difference was between the two. I kind of always just, to me, I was just like, well, somebody with Asperger's is just somebody who's on the lower end of um, autism. Like they have like mild autism or low yeah. or what, I don't know the terms, you know what I mean? They're but, just a little like socially, um, uh, less effective, you know? Yeah. Like, but, and you know, um, second also, dude, I didn't even know that Elon Musk had stuff like that. I just figured he was too smart and 
You know what yeah, I mean? I, 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 yeah, I, I thought it was just his brain was working on overdrive right. the whole time. And so, like, the system was kind of, like, buffering right. all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just buffering all the time. Yeah. And it's just processing a lot of shit. Well, good but, for uh, him, bro, for even, like, you know what is a bummer, dude, is it takes a lot to, to do that. You know what I mean? For someone like Elon Musk, who's of such prestige to then, you know, openly talk about having Asperger's like, and then you're going to shit on him for it. Like, what are you doing to the community, the autism, like community, you know, like get the fuck out of here, bro. Exactly. Dude. And that guy, you know, people can, people are going to shit on anybody. Right. People are going to shit on anybody for anything that they want to do. But I I find it hard pressed to believe that Elon Musk is somebody who is like a bad dude. You know what I mean? Like is deserving of catching shit the way that he does. I just don't see it. I don't I feel like he's the type of guy that will hold the door for you at the grocery, you know, or like he'll you know, if you drop your purse, he'll pick it up and hand it to you. And like he's a good dude, man. I feel like he's got that. And I don't like when people crap on people that are like that, you know? No, I'm with you. And I mean, I would say taking it full circle to what we said in the beginning, he's got so much money and his decision, every decision he makes affects so many people. So I'm sure there, you could point to a hundred people who are like, Oh, the thing he did fucked me over kind of a thing. I but, mean, you know, SpaceX to Texas fucked up a lot of people. Probably. Yeah, exactly. Because SpaceX was like right near where I was living in LA. Like I used to train a whole bunch of people that work there, you know? Interesting. And I don't think they moved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not everybody could have moved. I'm sure. Right. Right. But but yeah, no, I'm with you anyways. Gnarly bro. I'm a fan. Elon Musk. I'm a fan. Call me. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Right. So you good dog? Yeah, I'm good, bro. Um, I had one other fucking thought off of what we were talking about, but it must not be important. You know, it's Ah. gone now. It's gone now. It'll come back to us. All right. Well, as always, guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. If you want to support, go ahead and click that subscribe button, like, share, tell all your friends, and come back next time, and we will be looking forward to it. Yes. We'll be here. Thank you, fam. Thank you. Peace.